0: I can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 25th, 2010. I always suggest at the start of the show, rather than do it all throughout the show and really tick you off, but at the start of the show I tell you to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, bookmark all the sites I have listed there, uh, for future use in case you get trouble with the com again, which I do now and then. And while you're at it, go into the books I have for sale, the discs I have for sale, the few articles I have for sale. I could do a lot more if I wasn't doing this, believe you me, but uh, I don't have time. I really don't have time to do so many things at once. So therefore, it's up to you to keep me going by purchasing these items, uh, ordinating to me. Uh, because I don't ask for money from the advertisers. I have the offers, but I don't take them because it gives me a freer hand to do different things and see different things too and, and cross topics, in fact, which might go against uh, some advertisers once in a while. The Adji here in this show are paid by the advertisers straight to RBN for the airtime and for their staff and equipment and their bills, so it's up to you to help me with mine. And remember, you can order the books and the discs by purchasing from the U.S. to Canada using personal check. You can use an international postal money order. You can use PayPal for donation and for order. Just send a separate email with the name, address, and the order along with the PayPal donation, and I'll get it right out to you. Same across the rest of the world, PayPal for donations and purchasing. You can use MoneyGram and Western Union. Of course, you can't use personal checks for the rest of the world, just only the U.S. to Canada and vice versa, because we're really integrated already. That's why we've got the same area code, in fact. And as I say, that keeps me going because things are very expensive, and uh, I haven't taken the route of taking a, getting a lot of money. Believe you me, this is not a business, and... Uh, it's at seven day a week. It's not even a job. It's beyond being a job or even a vocation. It's rather crazy, in fact. And uh, who knows how long it will last. I might go off and do other things and actually earn some cash. while well, there's still some cash that's worth anything at all. But that's the way it's going. We're going into a planned New World Order society. It's being directed by the people who've directed it for hundreds of years. And the trick is to get the public on their side... Uh, without knowing it, uh, for a revolution. And that's the trick of all revolutions, really, is to use the bulk of the populace for what they think is their revolution, just like you think that the music you hear in your generation is somehow uh, springing out of you and your kind at the time. Nothing is further from the truth. It reminds me of the, the failed revolution in Germany, 1917. Uh, and uh, the head of that particular communist organization at the time said that the masses must never really be brought into the real the real purpose of communism and the, the mechanisms of its structure she said it was supposed to be left for the top echelon's only the masses would be used in their in their time at the right time and really for a blind force of rage if you like and i kind of see that happening today uh, when people, on the one hand, think that they've got their own internet system, somehow it's sprung out of their own heads and uh, sprang out of the stores into their laps and they can play with them and it's theirs. And they've been given a, a little modicum of freedom for a little while and they've been given all the things to get them into it. too, so, without questioning anything, and isn't that always the way people don't question Technology, where it comes from, who's promoting it, or can there be any other purpose behind it? Well, we'll touch on some of these things tonight briefly because I don't prepare my shows, I just talk off the top of my head and that's where I'm going tonight with some of my own thoughts back after these messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. And the, the Matrix is a good analogy, too, and so were the movie series because they showed you all these different compartments, if you like, or rooms or areas or realities or worlds, within all within a system, a computerized system. But, of course, those within the systems didn't know it. And the whole thing was powered by people who didn't even know that they were actually in tanks getting used like batteries to fuel the whole thing. Their energy was sucked off them. They were given fake lives in a virtual reality, which they thought was real. And that is much like the world we're living in today, because very few people do question the reality they're in. They're born into it. Uh, they take things for granted. They take the system for granted. That they're born into is just somehow it got there by itself. It's just there. You're born into it. Money's there. The system's there. Work is there. Um, choices for work, hopefully, <laughs> and they're diminishing too, for, Is also there as well. So you have a whole system you're born into that you did not create, that was pre-existing, and obviously somebody designed it and somebody updates it. Who is the grand architect for that? Who updates it? Well, we can get clues to things, we can get exposés and history of the big uh, organizations that formed to to control the money system for centuries and have their annual meetings. And then we we find many of those particular people uh, involved in creating institutions for world governments, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs that came out of the Lord Alfred Milner Group, who actually was a German. And many of his workers, in fact, were German too, or Prussian and they created the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and they created the Council on Foreign Relations, and then they changed their name in Canada recently to a different name, but it's the same group. And they also have uh, a European Institute for International Affairs for the whole of the European Union. And they've been at it for over a century, working steadily towards a world government. And people will think, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with world government? Well, number one, who's running it? And what kind of world government do they want to bring in? When you go into how this system was born from the beginnings of the British Empire and through the British Empire days to the days of Milner, the only people who really, really had an idea on cost for anything at all were those who were involved in creating empires. They had to fund armies, they had to tax citizens of whole nations for their armies. They had to have supply chains, munitions, uh, all of that. They they really figured all this out. And at the time, two even a hundred years ago, they thought, well, things are really, to an extent, a ra- rather um, finite. Material is finite, to an extent. And that's when the whole idea of running out of things occurred occurred to them first naturally because they were the real economists not the phony ones who turn out from universities today these guys were running the money supply of most of the world at the time and doing all the accounting for it too and also running countries as property with all of their citizens down as property and taxable subjects so it was around the same time as the Milner Group was forming that uh, uh, branches came off for special purposes, specialised branches that would have continuation down through the century to the present time, continuing with their, with their particular special purpose. And you got the Fabian Society that was one arm of them. Their job was to control the working people and get them on board primarily uh, with their agenda. And always to be global for world government. Of course they couched it under the terms world governance and even Brzezinski on that famous uh, CFR talk that was given and published for the public to see mind you and people don't think about that when he supposedly uh, said that they were worried at the top about the public being politically aware for the first time well that was no coincidence it was shown to the public and given to the public but I'll try and touch on that later. So The Fabian society wanted governance as well, global governance, and governance is simply a ploy, a tool, to use the term rather than say government, because obviously they want government. There has to be government to do something, a controlling group at the top. But it boils down to material and goods, and they also came out and formed other societies. Now, Brzezinski goes on about the technocrats, and explained that to technocrats, and so did Professor Carl Quigley, technocrats, really Brzezinski is one, he goes around the world um, understanding the technique of manipulation, uh, geopolitics, and warfare, to always attain a strategy, the end of a strategy, a plan, by having those who are even fighting each other and don't know they're going to be fighting each other in the future, um, as, as a means to an end, to something beyond that still to come. Like dominoes going down, one at a time. But there's also technocracy itself. You see, in the late 1800s, people came out uh, with science. Science was a massive thing, had a tremendous influence in the 1800s. They thought that the sky was the limit. And for the first time, you had the, the sci-fi novels of the era talking about going to the moon and... um Doing amazing things with electricity, which they were really experimenting. It was new to them to an extent. And, um, Tesla was coming out with his amazing inventions. They were having science fair- fairs in the US and Britain. And they, they saw no end to this whatsoever. They thought it would go on forever. But then it dawned on them too that everything that they used came out of material. And once it was used, it was gone. And that tied in, again, with the same banking group, the Lord Milner's group, who included the Rothschilds, that, that saw that to maintain control, they'd have to bring in a new system over the public and have the public participate in the system willingly. The best way to get the public to go into a system willingly, when actually they'll be worse off than before, is to basically bring on a revolution. And so they use revolutions for the communist systems, a fast way to unite a whole bunch of countries together under a, a, the same system. It's a standardization process. And Lenin himself said that the communist dictatorship or the dictatorship of the proletariat, which really over the pro- proletariat, would only last a generation. And then it would blends into a system not quite communist, not quite capitalist. Well, that's socialism, you see. And that is the system we're in and going under even faster I've touched before on, on different revolutions we've had that most folk think nothing of because it's strange that you can go through them folk think nothing of them uh, one of them was uh, apart from all the, the cultural revolutions we've had like, like the gender revolution and, and the feminist revolution these were all funded by the same group to start up and to keep going because that destroyed the family unit again, because the, the opposition they were going to have to this coming system was from males primarily, only if the males had something to fight for. Males generally never fight for themselves, they fight for other people. Uh, they're, they're going to fight for colonels and generals, or any guy who tells them to go off and fight, put uniform on, but they won't stand up and fight for themselves individually, unless they're standing up for their wife and family. So he destroyed the family and they won't stand up and fight. That's a simple truth of life. But we went through the hippie revolution as well. You know, they tried that before in 1920s Germany. And it was the wandering folk that had at the time. And it was a kind of back to nature, a rebellion in, in, in some aspects against science. Uh, but at the same time, too, they liked their, their usual instruments and things that were made by industry. And the same thing with the later hippie era. And I've gone through... Uh, Some of the documentation on that era Who started it up, for instance It was not a spontaneous thing from the public It involved people in the CIA It involved people in MI5 in Britain And other agencies across Europe It involved, And they're all ex-military Who led the charge, even in the music industry They set up Laurel Canyon with Zappa And the Frankfurt Group The Frankfurt Group was related to the Macy Group as well the Macy Group were brought in uh, from Europe. Uh, most of them were, were refugees from pre-World War II Germany. And they were set up in the, the U.S. and New York. And the president gave them full rights to create a new system for America and the world. And all the funding they would need. Now that goes right through all education. Uh, the type of education you would get. The social Engineering education you would have right up to the present time and at the same time they were putting out uh, a couple on the 50s and the 60s, they, they knew they'd have to separate the, the the young, you always go for the young to train them into a new system, forget the older folk the Soviets already knew that with the older folk you couldn't re-educate them you simply eliminate them or bypass them go right to the young and that's what they did when they brought out what seemed to be a spontaneous uh, pop and then rock and roll industry. But as I said, uh, Laurel Canyon was set up, and Zappa himself came from a long lineage of uh, high military officers, not just low-down ones, but ones up the Pentagon, same as Madonna. And I've got, gone through, too, uh, the documentary of up, up I'll put up again tonight, called, uh, it it's called The Net, and went through, uh, starting with the Unabomber that's how this particular investigation started off it was to do with the Unabomber a uh, Harvard professor, uh, Ted Kaczynski Kuzins- his name was uh, a brilliant guy, a uh, mathematician and it was never brought out to the public why he was targeting selective individuals they were all involved in the Macy Group and involved in the Frankfurt School, and who are involved in this coming, um, the psychosocial changes area by top authors at Harvard, all members of these groups, to change society and the psyche and psychology and the workings of society, and to also push towards cybernetics, If you wonder where your ideas for brain chipping and all that first came from, it goes way back to these groups. And I'll tie this together later in showing you the new system they're going to bring in, too, with carbon taxes. That goes all the way back to 1934, back after these messages. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt, cutting through the Matrix. Touching on different things, but bringing them together if you listen closely, because I've touched on the Royal Institute of International Affairs, technocracy, an idea which became solidified into what they thought was a science, technocrats which are people who work behind the scenes. the power, as Quigley said, more power than presidents or prime ministers. They're not responsible to the public, so they're pretty well invincible to get the job done and they have no one to answer to for complaints. But also going into how they give you revolutions in culture that we think are, 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 are our benefit, and most folk will support them, in fact, that they're societal and cultural revolutions. Uh, leading up to the day, where we think, well, yeah, we've got the net and we can prattle to each other. And we forget who gave us the net, or maybe why they gave it to us, in fact. Because they want the whole world on board with this. It, It ties in with the whole idea of, say, debt, for instance. What better way to get people to start making decisions, harsh decisions, about society... If they were, then for those who have the moneyed system and control the debt and have it all and dump it in your laps and say, okay, you're all now responsible for it. You make the decisions. Then what do you do? Then you find the little Hitlers getting up amongst you and say, well, I guess half of us have got to die right off the bat. You know, there's too many people, blah, blah, blah. All that will happen, you see. It's a clever psychological trick to dump something on you and make you think you're now in charge of it one thing to bitch about those at the top, but who gonna bitch about when it's you who's in charge of it, you're sharing it, you see? That's the trick, a very clever trick. Most folks can't get their mind around it. That's why it works. But getting back to what I'm talking about too, in the net, the documentary about the Unabomber and those particular guys he was targeting, and the very fact that they would not go to court and let him speak. They classified him as insane although he isn't insane and uh, dumped him right in the bin. That bypassed the courts rather than give him a say in what was going on. All we know is that he he said that there was something about uh, technology that was dangerous for the whole of society. Now, he'd been up in Harvard, and he'd mixed with these guys who worked, like the Brockmans and, and, and the, the Brands and all these guys, that you will see in that documentary, and the one who wrote the books as well to change society towards the cybernetic idea of mingling man with science, making him intertwined with it as one. And I'm going back even further, as I say, to the idea of even carbon taxes coming out of an organization called uh, Technocracy um, Inc., it was called, back in 1934, when they came out with the idea of carbon taxes trading energy, taxes. Do you know that H.G. Wells was a member? And you'll find all the big players, the Huxleys and so on, they were all perfectly familiar with this whole very important uh, group. They came out of the 1800s thinking that science was going to be the boss of everything. And H.G. Wells in his novel, which of course was based on an agenda to come, and he's, he's, he's gone right through the whole future, in fact. He has it, and he wrote that in 1933, and he has the money system at the end, and that's from 2034 onwards, that's the end. When, when they've achieved this perfect society with the right amount of people to inhabit it, that's depopulating by about 95%. Uh, they have, instead of money, they, they swap, uh, energy credits. That's a coincidence, of course, to everything that's happening today, isn't it? It's got to be, right? Yeah, sure. And getting back again, as I say, to, to how they set up uh, the whole revolutionary idea to make you think and to destroy the old culture to make way for the new. That's what you always do. You destroy that which is to make way for that which will be. That's what they say at the top. And John Brockman was sent out from the military when he came out as a, an instant investment banker. But his job was to make pop stars out of scientists and elevate them to the top. Expert society, you see. And sure enough, you, you see all these experts in the newspapers guiding you and telling you how to live, how to have sex and all the rest of it, Yada yada yadda. That's all part of it. And he also worked with uh, Stuart Brand. And Stuart Brand... Very interesting family, the Brand goes way back. You, you'll see that name cropping up all the time, even the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Milner Group. But Brand himself, Stuart Brand gave you the term personal computer back in the 60s. He was working on it then. Supposedly they're all popping LSD and going around with the Grateful Dead, getting them all high, getting them all to, to try this new reality, break away from the old. And it came out with the whole Earth, Earth Catalogue as well. As I say, they toured with the, the Grateful Dead, and it's called the experiment. They would run just dishing out bags of LSD all over the place to get the whole movement started. Two ex-military guys again, but they also worked with the inventor of the strobe, and they were given uh, the facilities of the Air Force to use a big hangar there uh, with, for experiments under LSD with strobe lighting, which they later brought into what they, they created later in the 70s, the, the discos mind-altering experiences is what they were into and it was to again destroy what was left of the old system, free love, sex the same stuff that H.E. Wells talked about in the 1800s the late 1800s they'd have to bring in a system of free love but no children back after these messages You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and just tying up a few things which you might think are distant from each other, but this not. They're actually they all come from the same hub the hub that controls the world and directs where we're all going. And it has done your whole life and your parents and grandparents too. But as I mentioned, as I say, this, uh, this I'll put the, the NETs back up, the links and com tonight. And so see the NET, the Unabomber, LSD and the Internet. That's the full title of it. And you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about, at least for that part of it, that era of it. But I'm also talking about prior to that, because you see, George Bernard Shaw, who was a founder, a founding member of the Fabian Society, along with the Webbs and uh, and others, and Wells himself, of course. uh, Shaw wrote *Man and Superman*. That was. You see, they're all eugenicists, and they still are, of course, because those at the top of uh, technocracy believe that those who will come through at the end after this into the new technological society are 5% of the people who happen to be themselves of course that's always been their objective and he wrote Man and Superman in Man and Superman he mentions that uh, he gives you instances in fact that the person who couldn't understand how an automobile worked for instance mechanics or electronics if they could not those who couldn't grasp these things would have to be eliminated. They couldn't be allowed through into this new age. So it would only be so, those with scientific mindsets who would come through it, those who could grasp this and be of use to them. In fact, he said that everyone would have to come to us, he said, and ask why we should justify it, why we should leave, uh, allow them to live. In other words, what use would you be to them? And that's also why you'll find uh, that uh, when Lenin took o- over really the, the whole Communist Party uh, and they, they got what they wanted, at least for Russia, Trotsky had a bit of a rift with him, and Trotsky couldn't understand, he said in his own writings, why so many British aristocrats were coming over and being get- given guided tours of the new system, which they called the experiment. And these people, of course, were the big boys from the Milner Group uh, that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And later on in the 20s, it was the CFR members going over the top members, again, multimillionaires, all the ones who run your foundations today, the big foundations, the parallel government, were given first-hand privileges to walk around and get shown how it really was. Because, you see, it was a kind of blueprint, a, a microcosm, and a laboratory for the big society to come, which actually is a reduced society, because the Russians killed off an awful lot of people, millions and millions of people, whom they they decided could never adjust into their new system. The technocrats came out again from the Fabian Society as a front again for the same group, talking about your usefulness to society, and that the matter was finite. And basically, they arranged a system and a tuition course in the 1930s, which is still used today. They have branches, by the way, in British Columbia. There's one in the States, and they have one in England, and one's in Europe. Societies are worldwide, teaching them that to come into a new society... Uh, you'll be trading credits, exactly as H.G. Wells said they would be back in 1933. And how they worked at the time was that energy would be uh, used into carbon. And that's what the whole carbon trading system of today is all about, and that's where it all came from. And so it's not going to be a, a free and equitable means of trading and surviving Uh, It means that those who have the most at the moment, those who've always run the system, will be in charge of all the world's resources. Don't forget that the Milner Group and the Cecil Rhodes Foundation with the Rothschilds and all the big world bankers uh, as members were sending emissaries across the world to take control of all the world's resources back then, 100 years ago. That was Cecil Rhodes' job, was to go over to South Africa. And grab all the land for the gold and for the diamonds and the resources. And they've never stopped today. I know it's by the way that uh, Nathan Rothschild has just started another company up to start more worldwide uh, mining for all kinds of things across the world in precious metals and other kinds of metals. All those things which you'll need in this up-and-coming system where you'll be trading energy credits or carbon credits, as they want to call them now. What you're living through is a culmination of a very, very, very old plan. And people right now are getting on board with it, thinking they're fighting something, but they're actually on board with the system. Because there's never been so many very good exposés written about the farce of money as is coming out today. And I've got three excellent um, articles today came out about the farce of money and the cons of money and Brzezinski admitting it too and even the global governance, as Brzezinski said, is a a cover, a a poor fallacy for government, global government, and so on. Great exposes. Why do you think they're out now? Because, of course, money's always been a farce. It's because those who, who own all the resources also give you the money system. As the Rothschilds have always done. And others like, like them. And they'll be in charge of all the resources for the coming age. So as long as they're in charge of it, it doesn't matter what you're swapping at the bottom, they'll have a lot more goods and reality, real goods, than you'll ever, ever imagine. Remember what Rothschild said is, he says, give me control of the, the nation's money. He just as well I've said the, the nation's carbon credits. And I don't care who rules because he'll be the, he'll be in place. He's still the boss. But what are convincing people today now is there's too many people and you're the problem. And of course, one of their branches, the Club of Rome, came out and said that in their own book, The First Global Revolution. Man is the enemy of the planet. There's too many people. And, and so on and so on and so on. I've been through all that before many times. And many other articles as well. that have come out recently over the last few years. Stepping up till you get the message, you see, that we're all in it together coupled by the complete farce of the war on terror, which is a war of terror, to really upset everybody across the planet and to really tick them off, to get you ready for revolution, you see. And you will be guided with your leaders to lead you into the new system. And you'll go in saying, yeah, yeah, that's ours, but it won't be yours at all. See, academia is heavily involved with the military-industrial complex, always has been. And they're guiding your thoughts, they're guiding your actions, they're guiding the whole idea of the new system, the new economy. They, they get your tax money all the time to work on projects that the Pentagon gives them. on all of these strategies, the Pentagon isn't all about bombs, you know, and bullets. There's way more to do with societal control and economic warfares of all kinds. Now here's an article, a typical article that comes out the 23rd of June, 2010. National Academy of Sciences tells citizen lobbyists first priority is economy-wide carbon price. On Monday, Dr. Laurie Geller, director of the National Academy of Sciences, new blue-ribbon climate change report, uh, briefed the Citizens Climate Lobby's National Conference kicking off the CCL's Washington Lobby Week. So they're see, full-time lobbyists, you see. Part one of the NSA's report stresses the strong evidence and broad scientific consensus that Earth's surface is warming due to human-caused fossil fuel burning. NES recommend, recommends further research on managing impacts on ecosystems, food production, public health, and climate policy. You understand that's your population control, everything all rolled into one. And what each individual public health is what each individual is worth is to the state. To keep you going, should they treat you or let you die, etc. Part two is limiting the magnitude of future climate change. Calls for immediate urgent action. Its top recommendation is to adopt an economy-wide carbon pricing system. This is all across the world. This stuff's coming out all over the place, you see. It also urges additional clean energy research and development research into how behavior and technology interact. Behavior and technology interact, isn't it? Again, that's technocracy, you see. And incentives for low greenhouse gas energy technologies part three and adaptation suggests responses to the inevitable consequences of climate change already in motion. And recommendations include develop hot weather early warning systems as Philadelphia has done and Alaska and retreat from the coast, retreat from the coast, beginning the process of relocation from areas where thawing and erosion the Tombow Sea erosion, by the way, are rendering present settlements untenable. And of course, they're using this whole thing down there in the Gulf for that right now, aren't they? And they were doing it before that spill in the Gulf with, oh my God, the coastline's eroding, they keep telling you. Remember, Agenda 1 says you will not be living on the coastlines across the world. We don't want anyone across the world living on the coastlines. But if you really want Really good information on this I'll give you a link too for a site at the end of the show And this site goes into a lot of the history that I've just been talking about It doesn't connect, of course, the music industry uh, Brockman, uh, the Unibomber and so on Or the Cecil Rhodes Foundation uh, The Milner Group becoming the Royal Institute of International Affairs All working on the same agenda It doesn't tie them into it but as a good handle on at least some of the founders. And, as I say, in 1934, the, the, the founder actually said this, energy certificates are issued individually to every adult of the entire population. The record of one's income and its rate of expenditure is kept by the distribution sequence. That's like a, an organization, that's the head office. So that it is a simple matter at any time for the distribution sequence to ascertain the state of a given customer's balance. When making purchases of either goods or services, an individual surrenders the energy certificates properly identified and signed. The significance of this, from the point of view of knowledge, of what is going on in the social system and of social control, can best be appreciated when one surveys the whole system in perspective. First one single organization is manning and operating the whole social mechanism. One system... One organization, right? One plutocracy is managing the production and distribution of all wealth and goods, goods and services. Remember George Orwell said that? He says, you'll know when tyranny is there because they will, they, will, they, will, they will own the means of production and the distribution of all food, goods and services. And This is what's been uh, pushed here in this particular article, in 1934, of the founder of the main organization that is worldwide, and lots of your politicians are members of it, to bring in the same system. It goes on to say here, the same organization not only produces but also distributes all goods and services. With this information clearing continuously to a central headquarters, we have a case exactly analogous to the control panel of a power plant or the bridge of an ocean liner. And that's from the Technocracy study course, which is still available today because, you see, it's still going today. As I've said, lots of your politicians are all members. And, of course, they've got their funding from the usual foundations and have from the beginning. But when you go to the top of this article, I'll also put a link up on Technocracy. It says here, "Carbon Currency: A New Beginning for Technocracy" by Patrick Woods. Very good article, January 26, 2010. Critics who think the U.S. dollar will be replaced by some new, bo- new global currency are perhaps thinking too small. On the world horizon looms a new global currency that could replace all paper currencies and the economic system upon which they are based. The new currency, simply called carbon currency is designed to support a revolutionary new economic system based on energy, production, and consumption, instead of price. What your smart meters in that are all about? Hmm? Our current price-based economic system and its related currencies that have supported capitalism, socialism, fascism, and communism is being herded into the slaughterhouse in order to make way for a new carbon-based world. But guess what, folks? The folks who gave you all those systems are still running it. It's plainly evident that the world is laboring under a dying system of price-based economics as evidenced by the rapid decline of paper currencies. The year of fiat, which is irredeemable paper currency, was introduced in 1971 when President Richard Nixon decoupled the U.S. dollar from gold. Because the dollar-turned-fiat was the world's primary reserve asset, all other currencies eventually followed suit, leaving us today with a global sea of paper that is increasingly undesired, unstable, and unusable, and it's meant to be, folks, because, you see, it's time to bring in the new system. That's why this is all happening. That's why they had the crash when they wanted it. They could have kept the bubbles going forever, because that's what it was always based upon, the whole stock market and the currencies. Enthusiasm and fast talkers. It says the deathly economic state of today's world is a direct reflection of the sum of its sick and dying currencies, but this could soon change. Forces are already at work to position a new carbon currency as the ultimate solution to global calls for poverty reduction, population control, environmental control, global warming, energy allocation and blanket distribution of economic wealth. Remember, what we are we doing right now under this, we're all in it together, IMF, World Bank idea? We're redistributing our tax money across the planet. And that was also a tenet of communism. Communism, as I said, was created by the same bankers that already ruled the Western world. It's a big experiment for what's coming now. You see, it all ties together. Unfortunately for individual people living in this new system will also require authoritarian and centralized control over all aspects of life from cradle to grave. That gives goes into carbon money and how does it work. Carbon currency will be based on the regular allocation of available energy to the people of the world. If not used within a period of time, the currency will expire like monthly minutes on your cell phone plan. Now remember I've read Bertrand Russell to you. And he said in one of his books, people will be issued credits from a government, which you can't save up. And on Monday, they'll start again with the same amount in it. And they'll be used as a form of social control, because you must have these credits to pay for your rent. Everything will be rental, eventually. You'll pay your bills with it, you buy your food with it. And if you buck the system, they will Use social disapproval, withdraw your credits that week or that month, or maybe two or three or six months to punish you. We use as punishment too, you say. And he wrote that one a particular book back in the 1940s. Getting back to this article here, because the energy supply chain is already dominated by the global elite, uh, setting energy production quotas will limit the amount of carbon currency in circulation at any one time and limit manufacturing of the food production and people movement. Back with more after this. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and tying up some ends to show people what's been happening all their lives. And where these big movements and where the big thoughts, really, that become the opinions of people actually came from. Because we're guided in, along all paths, you see. Especially through academia and those who go through universities become great workers towards all this because they never question the wrongness of anything that comes from the superiors. they said with authority, just like I read yesterday from Bertrand Russell. And it says here, from this article, uh, Carbon Currency, A New Beginning for Technocracy. It goes through the history of technocracy, uh, a bit obscure in some places. I see I've tied more in tonight and other areas of it to show you it's where it all came from. But basically it found its roots in the scientific autocracy of Henry de St. Simon, who lived from 1760 to 1825, and the positivism of Auguste Comte. 1798 to 1857, he was the father of social sciences. Social sciences is very important, you see, for all this. see, most revolutions go through uh, the social, era. They're, they're quiet, they're bloodless. They're changes in culture, that's what they are. Positism, uh, uh, positism elevated science and the scientific method above the metaphysical revelation. And they believed that social progress was possible only through science and technology. And therefore, only those who understood it should be, should be the one who comes through to the new agency. And then they came out with technocracy as a movement to the 1930s, openly. They were hidden before that, as I say, through Miller and all the other ones who already ruled the world's resources. And it says the principal scientist behind technocracy was M. King Hubert, a young geoscientist who would later, in 1948 to 1956, invent the now famous peak oil theory that's got you all so scared. Uh, crazy, I'll, I'll say. Hubert state, uh, stated that the discovery of new energy reserves and their production would be outstripped by usage, thereby eventually causing economic and social havoc. Many modern followers of peak oil theory believe that the 2000 to 2009, 2007 to 2009 global recession was exacerbated in part by record oil prices that reflect validity of the theory. So it goes through a bit of the history of them. And the universities he went through and so on, funded again by the Rockefeller uh, Foundation, very interesting. He was given the Rockefeller Public Service Award in 1977 for really pushing the stuff he was told to push, because these guys are front men, folks. <laughs> they all are. <laughs> then Hubert and, and uh, Howard Saut or Scott formed an organization called Technocracy, Inc. And if you look that up, you'll find the departments in every country and they've an awful lot of communiques with government officials, And every country as well. And explain what it means, basically. And you can see their study course from 1934 still used as the Bible of technocracy today. It's a root doc, it's a root document to which almost all modern technocratic thinking can be traced. And go on about the the need to bring down the old system, how to bring in the new system, and that money itself uh, was was simply obsolete already back in their day because they knew it was a con because their masters were the guys who ran the money. They obeyed their masters. And the masters why to bring in a new system now that the masters own all the resources of the world because that's what really matters, isn't it? Resources. Food and oil, all energy resources. That's what's important. You can call it whatever you want. Carbon credits, energy credits. They already did back in the 30s. And you're living through it today. Of course, it's helped to you as, as a new age of equality and all that kind of stuff as they distribute the wealth. But that's all bunkum, folk, because they want to bring down the population to those who should stay alive and breed. If you read all their other documents as well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, is good night to me, your God, or your gods, go with you.